0: You're listening to Fake Believe, the podcast that gets some things right about conspiracies, cults, and cryptids.
1: Hi, welcome to Fake Believe. I'm Stacy, and my jokes aren't garbage. They're 100% recyclable. Nice.
0: And I'm Rachel, and I think that the devil's fiddle performance was way better than Johnny's. <gasps> Hot take. Okay. <laughs> I know. I don't know if you were ready for that. Maybe I should have warned no. you, because I know you have- Fiddle opinions.
1: I, I do. I have a few of them, but um, not not too much on on uh, the devil and Johnny. Yeah, I, I, I just I think they both did such a great job. Honestly. I see. I see. <laughs> well, um, I have plenty of other opinions, and they're definitely going to come out in this episode. Oh yeah, what did you research? Oh, everything
0: <laughs> oh, I was one of those yeah I've been yeah. there
1: <laughs> Oh my gosh the rabbit holes <laughs> I went down them <sighs> i've I hope I keep you guys I hope I keep you guys with me on this.
0: Can I just tell you one of the rabbit holes that I am currently in is about um cats with with the wrong amount of toes. what? yeah, so I <laughs> you know just. To, t- to <laughs> tell you that I do understand, like, rabbit holes can okay. take you <laughs> into, like, different directions.
1: For a second, I thought you meant for your research for your episode. I was like, I, I don't did. know. That is, <laughs> I'm serious. Stop. No. Yeah. I, oh. Okay, well, I hope you guys can get through my episode <laughs> so that we can hear, well, I part of the episode. we can hear Rachel's cat toes if it makes it in
0: there i don't even know
1: (laughs) (laughs) all right let's get into it all right folks this is your podcaster speaking Uh, as you can see i have turned off the reality sign but we do ask that you remain somewhat grounded for the duration of this episode Our uh, in-flight or in-episode entertainment includes a dramatic reading of some (gasps) tweets, so sit back, relax, and enjoy a bunch of history and conspiracies about disappearing flights. (laughs) Oh,
0: my God. (laughs) I want this every time now. I want this every time.
1: (laughs) is your podcaster speaking <laughs> oh my gosh and none of
0: those jokes was garbage they were all
1: recyclable i know right <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh yeah so uh before i like hop into this though i do want to say um for you know just casual reasons i was on a plane recently mm-hmm. <laughs> um mm-hmm. Nothing big, just a honeymoon. Whatever. Just a honeymoon. But, um, oh, did you get married? <laughs> oh, did I not tell you? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that happened. Um, but I I opted out of researching for this episode while I was on the flight, because sometimes I'll do that. Like, if I have to travel, um, I'll, like, you know, listen to a uh, an audiobook or a podcast about it. But I was like, not this one, because I'm going to be flying. And then... And, <laughs> While I was on the way back, though, like, I think it was the last leg like, of the trip, um, I noticed, I looked out the window, and I was like, oh, there's a lot of lightning out there. <laughs> it
0: was crazy. And she sent yeah. me the picture of what was happening outside of her plane. So we are going to post it, I assume.
1: Yeah. I, okay. Yeah, I'll definitely post the, the video of the, um, <laughs> of the lightning. Because it that scared I had.
0: me a little bit. I was like, that's, ugh.
1: funny enough i felt fine i was like it's okay (laughs) we'll be fine (laughs) okay but um yeah so just uh i had some uh some recent airline experience i guess and that's uh you know what what prompted me to do my flawless pilot impression (laughs) 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 so um we're going to get started with uh, like like the captain said our dramatic reading. So, oh my god, I love dramatic readings. Yes. So, um I'm going to kind of set this scene and then okay. I'm going to have you read for me.
0: Oh, they said so. I'd never use my theater degree.
1: Well, they were wrong. Okay? <laughs> Cuz today you're an actor.
0: Yes. And I've also been the Easter Bunny for many, so
1: oh well that works then
0: yeah I'm a professional actor
1: I believe it and I think that um, it's a high time that everybody else recognizes you thank you I appreciate your support Okay, always (laughs) late on March 13th 2018 a user by the name of Ty tweeted the following thread
0: I really need y'all to listen to this voicemail I just got I am deactivating my cell phone service. I don't know why I was just sent military code. The fuck do I look like Liam Neeson? It literally translates to danger SOS. It is dire for you to evacuate. Be cautious. They are not human. SOS, danger SOS. And then gives coordinates. I am throwing my phone away.
1: What? Yeah. They're not
0: human? Yeah. What?
1: So, yeah, so that definitely, you know, is concerning.
0: Out of curiosity, did this person who tweeted look like Liam Neeson?
1: Um, I don't think so, but okay. um, it, it was also kind of um, difficult for us to to get that information because the account later on like was not, uh, it's hard to tell who, who's actually talking here. Okay, okay. Rachel, do you wanna um kind of explain what what image you're seeing here? Oh, I
0: don't see anything yet oh,
1: because I didn't hit share that's why <laughs>
0: um I see a beautiful young woman oh, um stupid. wearing headphones
1: in front of some
0: <laughs> toilet paper and
1: <laughs> no that's um. Those, well, okay, there is toilet paper, but it's mostly paper towels. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I do see what
0: looks like a text message, and it looks like it is um, from someone named Babadixajjinsa.
1: It's actually a tweet. Um, it's a direct oh, it's message a tweet. On, a, um, on Twitter. Ah, it's a Twitter DM.
0: Okay, and so it says, Akiri posting Yang Baru Saja. Anda bagikan taratong di cell anda. I I am a linguistic expert, as you all know, but I don't know what language that is.
1: Uh, I mean,
0: I'm shocked, but um, it's clear as day, isn't it? It does seem like um, what the Anunnaki might speak.
1: <laughs> I mean, maybe. <laughs> so <laughs> this happened. Technically, it was now March 14th. Here is the continuation of the thread.
0: Excuse me. Oh, this is all, cap- all capitals.
1: Excuse me, what is going on? This is when the image popped up. This is what they're yes. saying, referring to. Next
0: tweet. Also, I should probably include that this happened a few days ago before I got that voicemail. I really am about to go into hiding. Next tweet okay I'm sitting in my car right in front of my house in my car and this guy started taking pictures of my house with flash then he walked away literally what the fuck it's 3am I'm going to die tonight oh my god this person didn't die did they
1: no (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) so then this tweet
0: happens the next day I haven't received any other calls or had anything else happen but this is an interesting theory.
1: So now we're about to hear from a user by the name of Yuzumaki. Yuzumaki. Um, mm-hmm. So Rachel, I'm also going to have you play this part because I know that you are a gifted, talented actor. And, Thank you. And um, I believe <laughs> <Thank> that you. <sighs> you are ready for this. So first there's this picture um, uh, that kind of starts it off. So Rachel, do you want to kind of describe what this is so
0: it's um handwritten copy on um what looks like to be a carpet or like some thread or yarn thing i don't know if that matters it's a notebook
1: it's written on a notebook and then the notebook is placed on carpet (laughs) or blanket (laughs)
0: it's crocheted and hung up on a wall. (laughs) On the left of the notebook page, it says, Danger SOS, it is dire for you to evacuate. Oh, so it's the the Well, actually,
1: yeah, first it says S Danger SOS.
0: S S, Danger, right, Mm -hmm. it does. Yeah, and it looks like, it looks kind of like danger sauce.
1: (laughs) Danger sauce. In the second one, yeah. Oh, get ready for some danger sauce! <laughs> I'd like a number two. Hold the danger sauce. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Extra danger sauce. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, that's the. Is it the same thing? as that? But there's numbers too. because they're not human. And then the numbers are zero zero four two nine. So those are the coordinates. 04293396. <laughs> no, um, S O S danger S O S, and then. Kind of like in a different spot. This dangerous sauce. It is pitchfork. Dire, it,
1: it So that's it written like just um. That's it written without the spaces, right? Because um, probably so. But what about that last like, word? Do you say at the bottom? Dang. Does it say dang? <laughs> yeah. That's that's not really relevant to the rest of it. I just or does it, it was say funny. dog? It says dang. <laughs> dang. Dang. Dang, Uncle Bert. <laughs> So, um,, uh, that picture was tweeted at um the original user Ty. Um, and this is where um that theory came in. So uh, originally when Ty was like, "Oh, um, apparently it's like coordinates and you know this and that Like this is what mm-hmm. it's saying um, he was like this is an interesting theory but like I haven't heard anything else from this and so now he's like basically crediting the user that came up with the theory so um, okay. Yuzu's Maki, who, um who tweeted this image also accompanied it with the following thread
0: this is what it says pay close attention that there's an S right before danger meaning that's the recording is on a continuous loop. It's not a message set to play once it goes to voicemail. Also at ER Mahoney six pointed out that the coordinates given are very close to where the Malaysian airplane went down. What if you're hearing the black box recording? Question marks and exclamation points. And a black box records the last interaction with a plane, all caps, that's why it's an SOS and save our ship. It was trying to warn us. Also, and this is just to add on to my theory, because a black box records an audio message, it also records flight information as well, which is why it gives coordinates. This is where it gets a little more far out. It's an unknown number. Now, an unknown number isn't always a blocked number. A computer will still read it as unknown. This is also all happening after two large solar flares—oh, this has everything—were just released, causing a soon-to-be solar storm. And if you don't know, solar flares cause electromagnetic pulses in our atmosphere. So, with more electromagnetic activity in the air, this is why random people would be getting this call, because the signal would be amplified and sent farther ranges with the solar flares happening closer to southern asia slash australia this is why it's happening now
1: so some interesting theories brought up um and then a user named Gio delora or loera um replied, or um replied to this thread with this if these black box recordings match the voicemail are you saying the Malaysia
0: Flight 370 encountered something non-human?
1: Well, get ready to gasp in Cockney because this <laughs> is complete and utter bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Rachel. Appreciate You're that. <laughs> That's right. We here on Fake Believe are explicitly denying a conspiracy theory. <laughs> How dare we? <laughs> I know. And we like to have fun on this show, but these shenanigans caused real harm to real people. As mentioned before, this theory alluded to Malaysia Airlines Flight 370. Mm-hmm. This flight had 239 people on board and none of them or their remains have been discovered. This tragedy occurred on March 8th, 2014. That's right. In modern times, a commercial airplane vanished from the skies without a trace. The circumstances in which this aircraft met its demise has puzzled the entire world, and it's unfathomable that it could remain a mystery. With an unsatisfying official answer of, quote, we don't know, end quote, (laughs) Malaysia Airlines Flight 370 was a breeding ground for conspiracies. Mm -hmm. Again, it's important to keep in mind Actual people lost their lives and countless loved ones were denied closure. Even though we don't have any, or we won't have any more theories about supernatural interference, it is possible that someone knows more than what they're letting on. Mm-hmm. Regardless, the victims' families are left devastated and confused. So in a minute, let's take a look at some reasons why it's so crazy for a plane to go missing in this day and age. Yeah. So, I mean, kind of like what I was saying, I I contemplated even like bringing up this theory because, uh yeah, because, I mean, the reason I did was because it was very popular and a lot of people know about that, but they don't quite know everything else around Malaysia um, Airlines Flight 370, which at this point I'm going to start saying – um, mh370 because yeah. that was its code um <laughs> so um i'm not i'm not gonna jump right into what happened with mh370 but um a- again i wanted to kind of bring that one up because there there are no answers for this mm-hmm. and so when you're left with a bunch of you know facts and circumstances but they don't lead anywhere and they don't have any kind of conclusion and again like i I, i'm going to try and hit this point home this entire time in this day and age this should not have it should not have happened that we have no idea where this plane went it's so bizarre i mean like there's definitely like reasons as to why maybe we don't know where the wreckage is or something But we should know what happened. This is, this shouldn't be a mystery, but it is. And um, so, again, with mystery like this and with, you know, unsatisfactory conclusions, sometimes people are going to be like, well, maybe it's just, you know, something crazier. Now, Mm -hmm. like these tweets and everything, that takes it a step way too far, you know. You can be creative. Yeah. You can think of it, and to the first tie, like that first user's point, like you know, not necessarily to their point, but like to their credit at least, um, they they didn't bring up MH three seventy. Somebody else did, right? But they perpetuated it.
0: So, wait, did that person actually get the that random text though? No. So, oh. Did I just spoil something?
1: No. There's there's a great Snopes article. about it. They're just like, okay. you know, that did not happen. They didn't really like officially say, like, I, I think they kind of like alluded to the fact that they made it up and that, you know, they wanted to kind of keep it going because people were, you know, really into it. Um, but then the user like changed their account um, and now it looks like, you know, a young girl owns the account or something. Like, it's like, we can't quite tell who the source is, but yeah. it's obvious that this person has realized that they made a mistake mm-hmm. um, and they shouldn't have. They shouldn't have perpetuated it. Because again, you know, the fact that they started bringing in evidence of a real life crash that is still a mystery as to its whereabouts and um, what happened to it, Ugh.
0: and is still survived by family members, you know, like yeah, so they're, they're still-, still here. Right.
1: I mean, like, I'm not going to get into this story, but like Amelia Earhart, that's something that like, that's an aviation disaster that people want to keep talking about because it, it was so um sensationalized in what happened to her, you know, possible sightings, this, that the other thing, you know, there could have been a lot that that went down. But ultimately, like, we just we just don't know. And um what's kind of different with that is that None of her close friends or relatives are still around and, mm-hmm. you know, feeling this impact. So like the further away we get from something, I think a lot of times we kind of feel it's okay to, um, yeah, you know, to theorize, to theorize. <laughs> and, um, I'll kind of get into it in a little bit where even theorizing now isn't necessarily a bad thing, mm-hmm. but you have to be responsible about it. You have to be respectful. So, um, I just want everybody to keep that in mind. And this is going to be like a very dense information heavy episode. There's going to be a lot of like terms thrown around and a lot of history. And I think it's really interesting. And I promise it'll kind of, it'll tie in again at the end. And um, we'll see um, if, you know, we have our own theories maybe on what happened to MH370. Okay. And whether or not um, that even matters at this point. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Oh.
0: So I love dense and informative. So <laughs>
1: I know. I hope everyone else does too. Cause like we, I like dropped the character in this episode. Like, <laughs> you know, my usual like mocking of Alex uh-huh. Jones turned the freaking frogs gay. But yeah. I'm at this point like, mm, let's be a little more cautious of how we approach this. And um, again, I know I've already been talking a long time before even getting to this long episode. But um, this one, had um kind of like a personal connection for me not in that i had any any connection to um this tragedy but in the fact that um my dad worked at boeing and so um you know we we discussed um what happened with this um accident and then um later you know accidents things like that and he um he, you know he loved planes and told me a lot about them so some of this stuff like i, I was Like I I need to cite my sources, but in some cases I was like, well, I just know this from my dad or or whatever. Yeah, Um, And then also because um, uh, like in our April Fool's episode, when I talked about how um, being a part of history, uh, like a grim part of history is terrible, Mm -hmm. especially when people Mm -hmm. start coming up with um, conspiracy theories around it. So, right. All right. I will actually get into the episode now with all that being said. Okay. <laughs> so uh, let's first define a few aviation related terms to help us understand okay. what we're getting into. <laughs> so these all come from skybrary. Arrow, So like library, but skybrary. Oh, I love it. <laughs> um, so some of this stuff, it's like directly from there. Some of it I was kind of paraphrasing. So the first is ACARS and that stands for aircraft communications addressing and reporting system okay it's a digital link system for the transmission of messages between aircraft and ground stations so i mean this could be radios and you know different signals that are sent off this is how you know we kind of know what's what's going on and um, making sure that the people that are in the plane have contact with people who are on the ground <laughs> and can maybe gotcha. see something else that's coming up. So then there's black box. And this is actually known as the flight data recorder or FDR, not the president guy, but <laughs> the flight data recorder. <laughs> this records the aircraft performance parameters. Um, and then there's also a cockpit voice recorder that is found with the unit. And its purpose is to provide data to analyze after the crash. And fun fact, black boxes aren't black. They're orange. Mm -hmm. And there's a couple of theories as to why. Um, Some people have said because whenever you find it, it's black and charred from
0: burning. Mm
1: -hmm. You know, from the outside of um, like a burning crash or something. A lot of people know black box, but they don't always kind of know what that entails but that's what it entails have you seen um
0: yellow jackets no it's a tv show no oh well there's a black box in it and it is
1: orange yeah i know it's, it's <laughs> kind of funny i'm just like oh okay well but then i mean like there, there's other theories too but as to why it's called that i mean it's one of those things where we just call it that now <laughs> yeah um but you know, officially, people are saying like the the FDR and the CVR as you know flight data recorder and cockpit voice recorder. Um, okay So whenever uh, black box is recovered, that's when we see like you know, that's why in the in the tweet, it it was saying something about like the the coordinates come in and you hear like conversations in the cockpit. Because that's where it, it, like the data is stored and we know exactly what's going on. So we hear what's happening in the cockpit as the accident is happening and we can see, um, based on, um, how the flight, like how, how the aircraft is performing. Um, so mm-hmm. that can be a multitude of things, you know, the, um, altitude, the speed, a lot. Um yeah, a lot of data. Do do they ever talk about why it's called a cockpit? <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm sure <laughs> there are some good reasons for it. I just um Yeah, no, I don't I don't actually know why they call it a cockpit. But um it's unfortunate, I guess. <laughs> It is when um,
0: your co-host is as immature as yours is, uh,
1: right? I know they really should have <laughs> thought of that when they were naming them. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so next term is the flight envelope protection. This is uh, this was a little abstract to me, but so let me know if um, if I need to kind of explain it further, but. Um, this okay. is the capabilities of a design in terms of airspeed and load factor or altitude can also refer to maneuverability or l- the limits of the aircraft. okay, so what an, what it can do? So yeah, this is basically like the data that's stored in the black box., I, I, okay. I guess I would say, but um, it's also like we're showing the limits, and i'll I'll kind of get to why that's important in a moment. Okay, um next is hypoxia which is yes. lack of oxygen in the body tissues, often caused when an aircraft enters high altitudes or there's a change in cabin pressure. This can cause fatigue, confusion, euphoria, an to concentrate, impaired decision-making, discomfort, or pain. So this is scary because it can happen and people don't know that they're affected by it. Uh-huh. And it can be very dangerous. Um, yeah, especially with the impaired decision making. I mean, like, you know, don't drink and drive. Don't drink and fly. Don't limit your oxygen and fly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> solid advice. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, follow me for more tips. Um, <laughs> uh-huh. um, and then the final one that I'm going to go over up at the top is transponder, which is a receiver slash transmitter that automatically generates a signal when prompted from satellite frequencies. So this is one that I, that I paraphrased um, okay. because um, I don't want it to get lost in the weeds, but essentially the transponder, um, whenever it passes through a satellite, the satellite kind of is like, hey, like waves at it, and then this is it waving, the plane waving back like hi mm. hey okay i see oh all right yeah. here we go we've, we've passed What's so cute like, <laughs> just acknowledging that they're there oh and one thing i forgot to mention like with the a car system um nowadays so the a cars have really been around since like the 70s but nowadays like they're very digitalized and um mm-hmm. are sometimes or, and, and are also automatic, so it's like it's manual and automatic. So every thirty minutes, um, the car system sends out a signal. So keep that in mind. Okay, so yeah, you're you're setting up how how impossible it is for a modern aircraft yep. to disappear like that. Yep, I am. <laughs> yeah, I hope you guys are All paying right. attention <laughs> <laughs> because sometimes people will be like, "Well, maybe that you know, just if if one." you know, form of communication was lost, it's all lost. No, no, there's many ways that they should have been able to track this aircraft and it did not happen. Anyway, um, (laughs) so um, based on like these these aviation terms and everything, um, I've got two other sensationalized flight disappearances that I'm going to share before um, getting into MH370. Um, they kind of set up reasons again why this is so weird and also showing how um, we've learned from the past and have made um, changes to okay so this is the BSAA Stardust settle in Commercial airplanes have been around since the early 20th century, so MH Flight 370 was not the first aviation disaster that sparked debates about safety in the skies or sinister situations. For example, British South American Airlines plane Stardust was sensationalized due to cryptic clues. Sorry. Due to cryptic clues. And... uh, Wait... (laughs) Bigfoot wasn't, like, out there dropping hints of Chupacabra was running by... I can neither confirm nor deny that, but um, what I wrote was actually cryptic. Um, Okay. (laughs) um, I I mean, honestly, at this point, our uh, cutie pies might have been involved. They might have been involved. For all I know. (laughs) So, cryptic clues... um, and overzealous opportunists. Uh-huh. On August 2nd, 1947, Stardust left Buenos Aires at 1.46 p.m. en route to Santiago. At 5.41 p.m., the radio operator sent a message to the Santiago airport in Morse code that they were planning on arriving at 5.45 p.m. So, if you didn't hear that, 1947. <laughs> okay, so it's Morse code. <laughs> okay. And that's how they're communicating. This is how, you know, they're figuring things out. The aircraft never arrived, resulting in a five-day search that yielded no findings of said aircraft. One amateur radio operator claimed to have received a faint SOS from Stardust, but all that did was provide false hope from evidence that may or may not have even been credible. Oh, Yeah so this
0: behavior is
1: also not new yes yeah so it could have been like that tie account like oh i received this message and then it gets people's hopes up and then it's like "Eh, it's not even credible we can't really roll with that as the years went on more people grasped at straws to piece together the mystery with what little information they had for example the final communications the full message sent from Stardust, full final message sent from Stardust was this. ETA, Santiago, 17.45 HRS, hours, and then Stendec. That's S-T-E-N-D-E-C. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> what does that mean? The first part makes sense. So, our estimated time of arrival at, at Santiago is um 17:45 5:45 p.m. So hours. Yes. But then Stendic. <laughs> I don't know, and I'm also curious
0: about the language too, like it, would it be an English reference or a Spanish
1: reference? Well, I mean this is what was said um uh-huh. and this is what we have um for this it's possible that they were um you know maybe english was the the chosen like the
0: universal language yeah
1: and uh, anyway st- stenduck doesn't make sense in either language though
0: and no 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 it doesn't no
1: so <laughs> so while the transmission was described as rapid yet loud and clear the radio operator at the santiago airport asked for clarification on the last word so while this is happening so it came in really fast but it was clear, uh-huh. like they knew what was happening, okay. but it was very fast. So the, the person was asking the person like, hey, what is what's what was that last word? Yeah. In response, the operator heard Stendek repeated twice. And Ugh. that was the last communication with Stardust. Ugh. Yeah. Stendek is not a typical term or acronym like SOS is. So what could the operator have meant? Some theorize it's an acronym for severe turbulence encountered now descending emergency crash landing. Okay. Um but you'd think that would
0: be like uh, if
1: if it were it would be a commonly used acronym. And maybe they would have said SOS and not we're arriving in 4 minutes basically. You right. Know, like that what what? Like oh yeah, we're gonna, we're going to be in there in about 4 minutes but we're going to crash. <laughs> okay? Yeah. We're crashing crash (laughs) thank you hope you guys catch us like oh that that one doesn't make sense and also it's like it's not a universal you know acronym so why would they think that somebody would know what that means right so um others have thought that stendek is the same um dot dash sequence as um s-c-t-i-a-r which is Which was at least the code for the Los Carros Airport, Santiago, and over. So, like having all of that and then over, and maybe the receiving operator just misunderstood. You see, but still, it's like they already said Santiago, right? So why did they repeat?
0: You know the airport
1: code, and then why did they do it twice when they? asked for clarification, like, and just that part. One other proposed theory was that the operator was trying to send the word "descent," but scrambled up the letters because he was experiencing hypoxia. Oh, and this, and he's doing it all through Morse code. Uh-huh. So that's
0: a lot of room for error. Yeah.
1: But it's kind of weird that he scrambled up just those letters and then repeated the scramble the same letters. scramble. Yeah. So it, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, it's all logical except for this one bit, or it's totally illogical. And yeah mm-hmm. it, it's kind of hard to, to blame on that, but it also doesn't discount that. You know, it, it's yeah it's one of those theories that a lot of these are, are theories that aren't necessarily impossible but they're improbable. Right. And since we don't have an answer, you know, at this point, all of them are, are true. Yeah. And they're all not true <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> at the same time. So yeah, it's
0: Schrodinger's black
1: box. Yeah. Schrodinger's Stendick. <laughs> <laughs> um, the the true meaning of Stendick has never been discovered, but the wreckage of Stardust was.
0: Oh, it was. Yeah. Okay.
1: For 51 years, people theorized about sabotage or even alien abductions. However, in 1998, a couple of Argentinian mountaineers discovered the wreckage of an aircraft engine, metal, and clothing in Mount Tupungato. This was 50 miles, 80 kilometers, from Santiago. Okay. okay. So in 2000, additional wreckage was found. And by 2022, five of the bodies of the passengers on board were discovered or recovered. Mm-hmm. Um, so now there was physical. Now that there was physical evidence, there was less of a mystery on what happened. Stardust had crashed directly into the mountainside due to a loss of visibility, and mm-hmm. it was immediately covered in snow, hidden from view for more than five decades. Wow. Yeah. So this is similar um, to the Uruguayan Air Force Flight 571 crash in 1972, the one that mm-hmm. the movie Alive is based on. Uh-huh. However, they had just clipped the side of the mountain instead of colliding head on, which is why yeah. there were survivors. But in this case, they directly hit the mountain and were not able to survive. So, yeah. I mean, it's even a miracle that there were survivors from flight 571. But yeah, I mean, but then this, you know, again, those mountains and the visibility and everything that's kind of showing, okay, we definitely need to upgrade um, uh, what we can do to help with that visibility. Because if there's just somebody type in on Morse code, what's going on? I mean, the, the same thing can be said for um, even if you're not flying at a mountain, if you're flying it in the dark, if you're flying and there's clouds or there's bad weather or anything like that, I mean, it's just there's nothing ahead of you. And especially if you're flying over the ocean at night, sky looks like water. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's freaky to think about. But um, actually, you know, again, one of the stories brought that I was thought I was Thinking of, um, when I was talking with my dad was, um, forget which one it was, but one of the Kennedys um, who mm-hmm. who passed away in an um, aviation accident. Um, my dad was saying something about how it's possible that maybe he had uh, the navigation equipment that was available at the time. He had thought he corrected his mistake, but had accidentally like did like a 180 right on yeah, it. So like mirrored it. He was mm-hmm. he was just going directly into it and, you know, couldn't see it. So I think that was JFK Jr. Okay. I think. Yeah. So they, they had quite a a story. But um Yeah. You know, the whole family. Um but yeah, so this is um one of the precedents of not only was this a tragic disaster, but there was amb- ambiguity with the final communications and um the inability to find them because of um, the nature around them or, you know, all of this stuff um, and also for um, navigation techniques. Yeah. So I'm going to talk about another one now. (laughs) Okay. Another sensationalized flight. So one more notable plane crash is Air France Flight 447. Now, this one isn't necessarily a mysterious disaster, but it did set a precedent for airline safety moving forward. On June 1st, 2009, AF-447 was about a third of the way through its flight when Captain Dubois passed on the controls to pilots Bonin and Robert, who were less experienced than the captain. However, this is routine for these long overnight flights. So it wasn't weird that he'd stepped out, and it's not like because they were less experienced, they weren't capable. Yeah. However... Less than 10 minutes after the captain left the cockpit, all hell broke loose. Due to icing on the speed sensors of the aircraft, the flight computer was receiving inaccurate readings. When this happens, the flight computer was programmed to disconnect its autopilot and flight envelope protection. So remember, Uh it's no longer flying within its um, capacity um, and parameters. And now it's not even flying itself. So Mm -hmm. at this point, the pilots were flying without any assistance at an altitude in which pilots rarely do so. Um, Usually pilots are used to flying um, at much lower altitudes um, for any kind of cruise. I mean, takeoff and everything like that. Um, They can fly um, manually up through there if somebody you know like a smaller plane a lot of times people can fly those smaller planes but it's much lower altitudes and when you get up to these higher altitudes everything feels different i mean mm-hmm. there are it's it's like another world <laughs> over there yeah and since pilots don't have to fly at that altitude that often they weren't flying. So, they don't have that experience. Um, and, you know, they, they could do like a flight simulator or something, but it's not required because you don't have to do that. Who cares? That's so yeah, automated. You got autopilot. So, just, yeah. you know, make sure you're pressing the buttons and you're good to go. So, uh, um, so a startled Bonin watched the informative messages flash onto the screen. Bonin overcorrected from a slight roll, and that resulted in the plane abruptly rolling back and forth. So he had to kind of keep correcting from Uh overcorrecting. And so now it's just, you know, pandemonium. Oh, shit. Yeah. In this panic, Vonin had pulled back on the stick, which sent the aircraft into a higher altitude until it stalled. (gasps) So now they are higher in the air and they have stalled. (sighs) By this point, Captain Dubois had returned to the cockpit, but neither he nor the other two pilots realized that they had stalled and were therefore falling out of the sky. Mm -mm. So the initial assumption was that if you stall, you know it. But that obviously wasn't the case here. So despite the stall warnings... (laughs) Bonin's interpretation of the situation was that the warnings were false alarms, and the plane was flying way too fast. After all, he had no visual orientation, and there was no angle of attack indicator in the cockpit. Mm-hmm. So this wasn't showing which way he was flying is um, as oriented to the ground. Yeah. Shit! So he had no idea where he was where he was flying. Um. So to correct his theorized issue, Bonan pulled back on the thrust and applied the speed brakes. He thought he was going too fast. However, this is the worst thing to do when recovering from a stall, which is what they should have been doing. But again, they had no idea that that was even happening. Mm-hmm. So they did the worst thing you could do in this situation. It became clear that they were in trouble, so Robert tried to overrule Bonin and fly the plane himself. Unfortunately, Bonin continued to attempt to pilot the aircraft, resulting in the two pilots unknowingly making contradicting inputs. Oh, my God. So it wasn't like he was like, no, I'm going to do it. He had no idea that this was happening. There's so much chaos going on. He doesn't even know that somebody else is trying to take control of the aircraft, and now they're doing things that are contradicting each other.
0: Oh my gosh! It's like when you're playing Mario Kart and then you're accidentally watching the wrong screen.
1: Kind of, mm. yeah. Except way worse. Except way worse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, uh, so the crew was out of altitude and out of, out of time to recover once they realized what was going oh, on. Shit! And seconds before the airplane crashed into the mm. ocean, Bonin could be heard saying, "This can't be happening." 228 people lost their lives in that crash. Oh, God.
0: Was that everybody? everybody? Yep. Mm.
1: That was everyone that was on board. AF-447 was a loss of control incident that occurred when the exact combinations of things were in place to go wrong. When airline tragedies like this happen, it's crucial we learn from our mistakes and adapt to make future flights safer. After all, airline travel is both convenient and common. After AF-447, pilot tubes were redesigned to forego icing, underwater locator beacon transmission life was extended from 30 to 90 days, and communication between planes and bases was improved, even among remote zones. Furthermore, pilots were given more training on hand flying at higher altitudes and for flight simulators to include exposure to the, quote, startle effects, end quote, Mm -hmm. meaning they're in highly emotional and unusual situations during just a simulation. So it's more controlled.
0: Yeah. Well, that, yeah, because to resist that impulse to pull back real fast and overcorrect. And Yeah.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because I mean I do that Heck yeah, I I don't if I can't see where I'm going, you know I'm gonna want to stop. Mm-hmm. like uh, you think of like driving a car Yeah, like, and your impulses and if you're stuff. out of control, stop yeah. <laughs> you know and but sometimes stopping is the worst thing to do because then you know big semi trucks behind yeah. you crashes into you or you know something like that. It's just you know trying to put them in this situation where not only are these, you know, is, is stuff just popping up on the screen? And so now you've got to, like, it's time. It's time to focus. We got to see what's happening and we got to follow protocols and procedures. Mm-hmm. So some people might be like, well, it was flat out telling him that they were stalling, but he had no like visual confirmation of that. And also, a bunch of alarms were already going off. He th- he was probably thinking like something malfunctions. And-, and yeah. Yeah. And so, because again, like it said that they were going too fast and they weren't. So how was, you know, how is he supposed to know that the stall, you know, sensors were, were working properly? Mm-hmm. He he wasn't. And it, it's just had um, Captain Dubois been in the seat, may, like would it have been a different outcome? Maybe. We don't know. Yeah. That's not what happened. What happened was, you know, pilots that weren't experienced flying at that altitude we're given, you know, it, it was where, um, you know, ex- like human experience meets technological assistance and usually we're good. Like it works just fine, but this is one of those loss of control incidents that just they don't typically happen. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately it did. So now they, you know, they had to address these things. Um, and I mentioned about the, um, extension um of locator beacon transmission life. yeah um and that was just mostly due to um the search for did it they
0: feel like um, they would have been able to rescue people if that light had been
1: no it wasn't that it was just uh, like they did end up fine obviously they did end up finding the black box because i was able to tell you exactly what the pilot said right when oh, you know it was um I know it's terrible, but, um, you know, a vertical collision with water like that, it's not, you know, they wouldn't have been able to save anyone, even if they had, you know, been able to find, uh, to recover the wreckage sooner. Mm -hmm. Um, really what happened with this was, um, you know, there was still some, like a little bit of ambiguity as to what happened, Um, again, it wasn't as ambiguous as what we're about to get into, Mm -hmm. but it was enough that, um, uh, you know, they, they wanted to confirm with the black box data and stuff and they want to recover it and also see if maybe they can at least like put these, uh, these passengers to rest, you know, um, and, and give the families a little bit, um, of closure. Mm -hmm. So, um. Again, they were able to find it still. Um, it just took a little longer because um, there were some extenuating cir- circumstances as to getting out there. Um, and by the time they were able to, you know, the, um, it wasn't transmitting anymore. So it was harder to find. But it's also not necessarily like incompetence. It's, I mean, the ocean's big.
0: Right. <laughs> and,
1: you know, moves around. Oh, so it does do that. It, we, yeah, so it's kind of hard. To figure that it out. Sharks. Yeah. <laughs> sharks that eat airplanes. I don't know. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was just, you know, like you might know like where um it crashed, but you still don't quite know exactly where it ended up. Um based on, you know, again, like with um stardust, it, it hit the mountain. And even if we knew that it hit hit the mountain, we wouldn't necessarily know where it was because by that point it's covered in snow. Yeah. So um that's why they were like, let's kind of extend this just in case there's other circumstances that are making it more difficult for us to find it. But once we're able to like get there and start narrowing down our search, we can keep track of it um, across um, different agencies, too. Yeah. So since we were able to recover the black box and with the messages from ACARS, we were able to determine exactly what happened to AF447 and learn from those mistakes. However, as we'll soon see, without that data, it could be nearly impossible to determine exactly what caused the crash or even where the wreckage could be found. Mm
0: -hmm. Which
1: brings us to the events of Malaysia Airlines Flight 370. I I do have a little tangent um, in a minute, and we'll get to it um, (laughs) to lighten things up. Um, I mean, I do have to say some sad things first, and then we'll have our little tangent and things, you know, (laughs) we'll get there. Um, Okay. It's sad, but, um, let's take a moment to appreciate, um, you know, the work that pilots and air ca- traffic controllers do and, um, mm-hmm. crew members that, um, you know, it's more likely that you'll reach your destination safely than it is right. that something like this will happen. So absolutely. Yeah. Kind of keep that in mind as we go through. And again, I cannot emphasize this enough. This should not have happened. And we have no idea why it happened. So, (laughs) um, with that said, let's get into it. Malaysia Airlines Flight 370 departed the Kuala Lumpur International Airport at 1241 a.m. on March 8, 2014. A total of 227 passengers and 12 crew members were on board the Boeing 777 for the Red Eye flight en route to Beijing. Unbeknownst to the 237 of those in the air, two passengers were flying with stolen passports. Other than that, everything was completely par for the course. At 1.07 a.m., ACAR sent a transmission as per usual. At 1.19 a.m., MH370 was leaving the jurisdiction of Malaysian air traffic control, meaning they would be handed off to the Ho Chi Minh City air traffic control in Vietnamese airspace. Communications heard either the pilot or the co-pilot saying "Good night, Malaysian 370." At 1:21 a.m., the transponder was inexplicably shut off, which is a big no-no for pilots. Yeah. The blip was noted by KLATC, just Kuala for Air Control, Air Traffic Control, um, but no action was taken. So basically, like it. Went off of their radar and they kind of saw that that happened and uh-huh. they were just like, okay, well, I mean, they're with... back little
0: comeback or... Well, yeah. they were like,
1: well, we just handed them or off to To HCM. Ho Chi Minh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to Ho Chi Minh. Um, so they were like, well, I mean, they haven't contacted us yet, so it's, it's okay. Um, During a handoff, the receiving air traffic control should confirm communications with the flight within five minutes. KLATC had officially shut off communications with MH370 at 1.22 a.m. and when HCMATC didn't hear back from MH370 by 1.27 a.m., they should have contacted KLATC. However, KLATC wasn't contacted by HCMATC until 1.39 a.m., a full two minutes after the ACARS failed to send another transmission. Oh. So by this point, even though they were, they should have contacted them at, at 1.27 a.m. when they didn't even hear from them, but then two minutes after ACARS was supposed to send another transmission... They finally said something.
0: Oh, my gosh.
1: So, like, the transponder been, had been turned off in, in that time, which is when they, like, disappeared from KL. But then HCM didn't pick them up and didn't hear from them. And <laughs> all this goes out. so for a full 17 minutes, MH370 was flying without communication and nobody knew about it. Remember, the transponder, a cars, and a two-way radio were inoperable. So by the time KL was notified, a ripple in protocol had occurred, wasting valuable time. hmm And Rachel, I'm going to yes, pause Stacey. here. Okay. I didn't read all of it, mm-hmm. but I went through the official report. Oh. Of MH370. Mm-hmm. So I can tell you, they done fucked up. <laughs> oh shit!
0: And Ho Chi Minh, but, like across the board, or just well, Ho Chi Minh guess, City. Guess what?
1: What? They they didn't place any official blame on anybody, uh-huh. but it was Kuala Lumpur that was in the hot seat for it.
0: Okay, so they didn't check. Yes, and they saw it, and they saw it disappear and yes. they didn't do anything
1: but i'm also like ho chi minh should have known that they couldn't hear from them and yeah within 5 minutes of that happening they are supposed to be on alert like 2 minutes that's a, that's you know that's long for for them to not have communication mm-hmm. 5 minutes 17 minutes No, that's no, no, that's insane. somebody
0: must have been like distracted or doing something or tired or
1: see you're already trying to figure out (sighs) how something like this could happen. You're already theorizing because because we want to know, like, what the fuck happened? You guys aren't supposed to do this. You're supposed to know better. So what happened? (laughs) Um, But yeah, the report. Um again it did not have any official blame, but um it did say that like based on protocols, um Kuala Lumpur and Poor was the one that was technically at fault with this. Mm-hmm. Um and to make things worse for everyone involved and particular in particular um Kuala Lumpur, and Poor, they should have treated this as an emergency. Mm-hmm but they were so confused that they were not initially treating it as an emergency they were just like wait what what do you mean you haven't heard so that they like tried to send another another communication to the airline and then nothing came back and then they were like oh god <laughs> oh no what happened and then yeah. like you know stuff started you know getting set in motion but they're losing valuable time mm-hmm. and it, it just doesn't make sense. So, like, they're looking at the flight pa- plans um, for MH370, and they're like, okay, so they should be here, and they're, they're trying to find them, and they're, like, looking at other radars. They're trying to, like, ask, you know, ask around, but it's not showing up where it should be in the flight plan. plan. Mm-hmm. At that time, no one involved knew that the Malaysian military was still tracking MH370 in some capacity. Oh, so according to military military radar, once the transponder stopped working, MH370 was turning right. However, it then started to make a hard left, turning around almost completely. So at the so it was cur- in process of turning right, mm-hmm. and the second that that transponder went off, well, the minute the minute it turned <laughs> off, I guess. Now it's starting to go the opposite way, huh. almost. So it was turning right. Now it's a hard left. Not just like kind of like correcting going left, hard left. They're turning around basically at this point. Midair, no communications with anyone. Uh-huh. It was estimated that MH370 had about seven and a half hours of fuel left on board. Uh, okay. So now it is turned around and it is flying off the flight path. Nobody knows that it's flying off the flight path because the only people that know that this is happening are the Malaysian military and they don't necessarily know that they need to be looking out for that. Right. And also, um, so I really wanted to bring this up because I heard it in one of the podcasts, um, I'd listened to about this, um, flight specifically and, um, um, I mean like they're a trusted source and everything I just personally couldn't find it um, Mm -hmm. based on my Google searches and stuff and it might have been there but there was a lot to dig through but um, they said that like the Malaysian military delayed telling anyone that they still were able to track it Mm -hmm. because um, they didn't want people to know like other militaries to know that they had this kind of technology shit so So they wasted valuable time. And, again, they were kind of just going based off of the flight path of where they were supposed to be. Mm -hmm. And then the military had to come in and be like, actually, they went that way.
0: (laughs) Oh, jeez.
1: And, like, I mean, to be fair, it wasn't their job to track MH370. Right. I mean, that's on the air traffic controls of, of those, you know, two nations and everything. And they, um, it's also like, what do I say? Like, if we let people know that we have this kind of technology and that we are using it, yeah. and we are tracking things. Uh-huh. Whew, well, we don't really want to have, um, you know, hostile interference here. Yeah. But they decided Ultimately, they needed to get this information out and um, they were aiding in that search for image 370 So again, I couldn't find um, the direct sources on that personally, mm-hmm. but I mean, history is telling us too, that's, that's what was going on. Right. Um, also, that wasn't what people were focused on at the time when all these articles were being written. And nowadays too, people don't really want to focus on all of that. Because it ends up like, although it was a huge player in this, it wasn't necessarily something that you know we couldn't account for. Right. You know, like it, it was yeah. something that actually made sense here. Mm-hmm. So yeah. <laughs> nobody wants to talk about it.
0: Yeah, no, no conspiracies um, there.
1: No, because <laughs> <laughs> um, they kind of like came out and admitted it. They're like, yeah, uh, so yeah, here's what happened, and we're <sighs> sorry, and uh, so, <laughs> um. The Malaysian military reported losing contact with MH370 at 2:22 a.m. The final forms of communications with MH370 occurred at 2:28 a.m., 3:41 a.m., 4:41 a.m., 5:41 a.m., 6:41 a.m., and 8:11 a.m. as quote full handshakes from the plane to a satellite.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: So this is. Um, the 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 automatic the little wave Uh yeah the little wave i was talking about as mh370 was presumably traveling at this point it kind of makes sense like based on how far it could have gone with the amount of fuel and all this like i mean it's plausible that maybe it was it was fine this whole time but i mean you know, you, you see the ones where it's like 3.41 a.m., 4.41 and all that. But like we start off with 2.28 a.m. and we end with 8.11 a.m. Like, yeah, that's kind of weird. Like, why is it like, why are these signals being passed through right now? Like what what's going on? Yeah. And then there was another, quote, partial handshake, end quote, at 8.19 a.m., which could have been due to a power outage so it could have been like the power had officially gone out at 8.19am and that sent some partial kind of signal Mm -hmm. to the satellite and that's where it went down but based on that the last known location of MH370 was noted as somewhere over the Indian Ocean somewhere (sighs) from there uncorroborated sightings were reported Um, there's one um, in Kota Baru, Malaysia Wherein two fishermen saw a plane flying very low over the South China Sea around one thirty a.m. Mm-hmm. So this is where, like, this is where it should have been over the South China Sea, and at one thirty a.m., this is around the time that all of this stuff was happening. So it
0: could so before have been. it turned around, like they might have seen it before it turned around.
1: It could have been before it turned around, or while it was turning around. Uh huh. So because remember all this stuff started going crazy at like 122 a.m. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They saw this at 130 a.m. Okay. So it's possible that like by this point it had already turned around and was starting to move. Um because they were saying that this plane was flying very low. So it could have been something happened. And then now they've turned around and they're flying low. So, like, they didn't see the plane fly over them the first time because it's playing plane really high in the air. Mm-hmm. But now they're going to notice this plane that's flying so low that one of the fishermen said that he could see the lights on the cabin. It was that close. Oh. What? No. Like, that's not supposed to happen. <laughs> You're not supposed to be that close to an airplane that you can see that. Yeah. Like, it, it, I think the guy even said it was the size of a coconut at that point. Like, you know, for his you know, um, view, I guess. His perspective. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, his perspective. So, you know, again, it was, it was reported, um, but there's no way for us to have any physical evidence to corroborate that. Right. Um, Another alleged sighting was in an oil rig off Vietnam in which a worker claimed to see a burning object in the sky a few hours after takeoff. So, this is a little different because um, when MH three seventy went went down, it was like less than two hours um, after it had yeah. taken off. Uh-huh. So if this was, you know, a few quote a few hours after, um, it could be by this point, you know, it's going on this other path, and this person in this oil rig could have seen it at, at that point, and you know, it's on fire and so clearly something is going on. Right. <laughs> but um and and again, we know that this one was reported, but it's not corroborated. Right. So um like I found this article, it had a couple more alleged sightings, but like it even discredited discredited them within the article, so I'm not going to have any more attention drawn to it and yeah. also they didn't like officially report it. They're just reporting it to like to the news outlets or whatever. For the attention. Possibly, or you know, maybe they did see something. Yeah. and it's a completely unrelated accident, right. or maybe they were mistaken, or maybe this time it was an actual UFO. Like maybe there was an alien spaceship on fire somewhere at the same time this was happening. Perhaps. Total coincidence. <laughs> we don't know. Maybe I'm not it was calling a them a liar. Gigantic whale
0: <laughs> fighting a gigantic bird over the ah, ocean. Yeah,
1: see, I think that happens way more often than people realize. I think so too. <laughs> so you know. No way to corroborate these. But the other ones, it's like they weren't really officially reported. And and it was kind of too far out there. Mm -hmm. When MH370 did not arrive at its gate in Beijing, confusion and a lack of information caused panic and conflicting stories. So I wasn't really able to piece together, like, exact quotes of what was happening here. But there was no communication with this aircraft. And they... The correct people were not informed. So they didn't even know that this aircraft was going to be late. Oh my god. Which, if you've lost communications with it, I would anticipate it's gonna be late, okay? I mean, like the. This is weird. And so, like, people were waiting at at that gate, like, oh, damn it, my flight's delayed. Like, what's going... Like, red eyes aren't usually delayed. They can usually make up for, you know, lost time. Like, what is happening? This is stupid. Why is my plane delayed? Your plane's missing. And that's... So, you know, people are asking questions. Yeah. And they're being given answers based on what people know, which is nothing at this point. It's just, you know, okay, so I'm assuming that this is what's happening because this is usually how this stuff goes down. But it, so it's just, it's just causing more chaos and panic at this point. Yeah. People are not. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, this all goes back to the need to know and the way that we just come up with answers to fill in the gaps. I mean, sometimes it's, not a good idea to do that yeah and (laughs) as we found as as we found out like here i mean again officially they don't know and that's what that's the only story they're rolling with because that's the only story we have Mm -hmm. (sighs) so (laughs) for more than a year no new clues were found on the whereabouts of mh370 Searches were conducted by 26 countries oh and various private citizens with no luck. Initially, the searches were conducted in the South China Sea as per the expected flight plan. However, as more intel came in, it was noted that they were most likely looking in the wrong area. No official ser- searches were successful, but in July of 2015, A piece of the wing had washed ashore on an island in the Western Indian Ocean, 2,500 miles away from the initial search.
0: Wow. I think I do remember when that was on the news.
1: Oh, yeah. So a little personal, you know, background with me, Mm -hmm. Um, the time that MH370 went down, I was about to graduate high school, mm-hmm. and then this stuff is happening. Like while I'm, you know, freshman in college, so I'm like sort of paying attention to it, but I don't understand it. And I'm at this point just assuming they're going to find it because they always do, right? It's it's been a year. It's a long time, but it's only been a year and a half. Yeah, you know, the ocean's big. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: <laughs> as we've mentioned,
1: S- right? <laughs> and I will mention again, um, <laughs> but I also remember that when the hoax came out. Um, mm-hmm. This was like after I remember exactly where I was when I heard about it too. Like I was with my friends and stuff when it like like first came out and people were talking about it because I like others was like, "Whoa, they found the black box recording!" No, so you know you're you're coming at it from however you know you you know Mm -hmm. your schema, your background, and you're only being given partial information and it's just a game of telephone at this point they're you know ugh. and again it's so sad understatement of the year but yeah because there's actual people that are like what happened Where to my I loved ones my
0: family yeah
1: yeah so <sighs> um the debris was confirmed to be from MH370 due to a serial number found on the flaperon which again this is another personal detail i'm throwing in there i remember one time like i was in the car with my dad and like we had the windows down and we were sticking our hands out the window um like where it's like parallel to the road and then we would slightly Mm -hmm. tilt them and our arms would fly back and so he's talking to me about how you know like how airplanes are built with the the flapperons and stuff to to control that and, and everything so um and i saw that like that was something that really like stuck to me and I was like, whoa, Um, how crazy also that the actual serial number was on there and Mm -hmm. like of all the pieces to find, like, wow, that's what they found. Yeah. So in March and in February and March of 2016, more possible debris from MH370 was discovered near South Africa. So a little further now. This is what we know about MH370, but it doesn't explain what happened. Surely someone knows the fate of the plane, right? No official blame has been placed because there has been no official report of what happened. However, Ugh. the official report of MH370 acknowledged failure to comply with emergency protocols on multiple fronts, mm-hmm. but it's difficult to say who was, quote, responsible, end quote.
0: I mean, it sounds like it was a collaboration of responsibility.
1: Yeah, Um, <laughs> You know, that's why, um, like, sometimes people are like, why do we have, like, this check and this, like, we're checking the checks. And uh, this is why. Yeah, because we're human. Yeah. (laughs) And we have the protocols in place so that if something is not followed, there's a, uh, like, there's always a backup plan. A backup, plan. Especially when it comes to something like this. I mean, they were passing over communications mid-flight, Over an ocean to another country. Like, that alone should be (laughs) like, we're gonna pay really close attention to these things. Like, it should, it should always be in the forefront of your mind to think that something is weird. Like, for me, I would by default think something is wrong until I'm officially hearing from them and I guess all good. And even then, I'd be like, are you sure? I don't know. What about you? Like are, are would you be like default to like worst case scenario or would you yeah, just be like
0: For sure. Okay. No, it's yeah, everything's terrible until you know that it's not. That's yeah. how you have to approach things.
1: Unfortunately, yeah. But I mean, <laughs> that's not that's not what happened here, obviously. So <sighs> however, you know, like so we we don't really know who to blame. Mm-hmm. But the act of passing blame in aviation disasters is nothing new. No, I know this episode is a bit heavy, so I'm gonna lighten it up real quick with a tangent on okay. gremlins. Oh, so uh, I was just talking about gremlins. Yeah. Well, I I, <laughs> I feel like my dog's a gremlin. My puppy Delzy. I think so. You know. mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. He's, yeah. He he
1: might have. He might even be the reincarnated actual Delzy. Um and Mm. you know has his gremlin growl like that Uh (laughs) Uh, just you know because he's seen aliens in a past life but (laughs) for sure so um, but why were you talking about gremlins like the movie just
0: because yeah the movie Uh, with a friend and then some some youths had were watching it for the first time Ah. and I was like I didn't see the first one in the theater but I did see the second one in the (laughs) theater which tells you how old I am
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, some would consider this to be a cryptid, but most would agree it was always supposed to be a scapegoat for human error. So some would be like, no, people really thought that these existed, but no one really did. Um, Although variations of the term and idea could have derived from different sources, the most commonly accepted origin is from the Royal Air Force in the 1920s. However, Gremlins became popular in aviation during World War II with a safety campaign that featured posters warning those involved with aviation of the Gremlins' mischief. (sighs) Gremlins, according to the RAF, were little assholes that were hell-bent on causing fuckery for the Air Force. That's what they put out? That's the language they use? Um, I'm paraphrasing. (laughs) Sorry, (laughs) I forgot to say. I didn't get this directly from... It's paraphrasing. Um... (laughs) From assembly to flight, no one was safe from the trickster gremlins. For example, here are some posters from the RAF at that time. And Rachel, oh. I'm going to have you describe them. Okay. So, uh, they, like These are going to be posted on our Instagram. And they are the actual little posters from the time. <laughs> okay, so just...
0: Kind of be imagining like the style of you know the the propaganda that was around that time think like the the Bolshevik propaganda it's kind of the the feeling of this one and it's a dude in overalls in very high overalls (laughs) who's slipping on the floor and he says gremlins are floor greasers watch your step and there's two little they look like clown gremlins who have like clearly dumped out some oil um and then it says there's um an authoritative looking captain figure on the bottom who says back up our battle skies
1: yes so you're gonna see back up our battle skies on on these uh, it's a it's throughout so it's from the same campaign uh the battle skis <laughs> Battle skis. I know I saw that too, and I was like, what? Oh, oh, battle skies.
0: Duh. Battle
1: skies. <laughs> I was like, oh, those British.
0: <laughs> There's another one where it's a woman who's covering her eyes because there are a bunch of little gremlins who are throwing shit at her and using um Slingshots. What are those called Slingshots. And that it says at the top, gremlins love to pitch things at your eyes. Wear safety goggles. (laughs) (laughs) These are good.
1: Yeah, also, I, okay, since you're looking at it, look at the Mm -hmm. gremlin in the bottom left corner. Like, Okay, that's hey, a the second one. Yeah, I'm like yeah. that's a little scandalous for that time, isn't it? Like put that dump truck of an ass in reverse.
0: <laughs> They're um wearing tops but not pants. They're porky pig in it.
1: Yeah, but also they don't have any cracks.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean.
1: Uh, how do they move?
0: True. That I mean there's a little bit of a crack. You can see a little bit of a crack. I
1: guess.
0: Gremlin crack.
1: <laughs> don't do <a> gremlin crack.
0: <laughs> okay, in the next one there's the same uh, overall clad fellow, and he's getting his leg sawed off um by like a circular saw, mm-hmm. and gremlins are gleefully pushing him into the circular saw, and the warning is gremlins will push you round. look where you're going.
1: <laughs> so yeah the the saw the circular saw is on and behind him, yeah. Um, like, it's it's clearly um, activated and it's behind him and he did not look where he was going and these gremlins pushed him.
0: Pushed him into it. Yeah. No blood, though, so that's kind of good. <sighs>
1: Thank God. No cracks, no blood. <laughs> All right, is the last one. Okay, the last one, it
0: asks a good question. Like, why help gremlins? <laughs> they don't need your help, right? So then you have a square corner and the gremlin is like chiseling away at it and he looks very happy Mm -hmm. and it says square corners and gremlins play round corners. They stay away. And on the round one, he looks upset. This gremlin looks upset and he's running away with his pickaxe.
1: Yeah. So he's like sliding down because, um, you know, he can't, you know, break into um, a flaw in the design or um, a structural weakness like a square corner yeah. where he could pry through the gaps.
0: I had no idea square
1: corners were bad. They're not bad. But <laughs> if there's gremlins on board, they are. Ah, so. I see, I see. <laughs> um, like I said, you know, my dad talked he was really passionate about airplanes and he talked to me mm-hmm. about cuz he he worked in structural assembly. Yeah. So, he knows this this stuff and he Loved to be able to talk about it and um, to explain it. And he explained it very well because he was an instructor. So it was <laughs> literally his job. And um, so stuff like that, it you know, aircraft has to have a completely different approach to things than most other, you know, things um, that we engineer. Because, mm-hmm. you know, cars aren't made to go, in the air at higher alts, stuff like that in airplanes are, and things change once you get up there. And so how do you account for being at a lower altitude and a higher altitude? Well, round corners is one, you know, (laughs) something like that. So, um, that was just the cute little way that they were like, ah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And their gremlins are a lot less scary than, um, the eighties movie gremlins.
1: (laughs) Yeah. They look, Completely different. And um, some people even say like Rodol was um, someone that brought them into pop culture and stuff. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, because he was in the Royal Air Force. And so
0: in the giant peach. Yes.
1: Yeah, so, and then he wrote, you know, wrote about him in his stories and stuff. But um, again, just kind of um, it's, it's been around for a while. But um, as we can gather from this campaign, gremlins were ways to get people to pay attention to safety. So, Mm -hmm. you know, there's not literally a little gremlin pushing you into a circular saw, but (laughs) watch where you're fucking going so you don't chop off your leg. Right. (laughs) So you don't
0: run into the circular saw. Yeah. Or, you know,
1: like if you lose your balance or something like that, because you You don't grab
0: onto a circular saw.
1: Stay away from those circular saws. Turn them off when you're not using them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Don't carry them around. Yeah. Also, avoid quicksand.
1: Yes. Um, That was not as heavily featured here, but yes. (laughs) Avoid quicksand. (laughs) Additionally, believe it or not, gremlins were actually good for morale. Sometimes shitty things happen, and it's easier to blame some fictional creature than it is to start infighting. Um, mm-hmm. do you watch community? Um I've watched I've watched
0: it. I haven't cu- kept up with it.
1: Okay, so there is an episode and uh, the character that always points like breaks the fourth wall in, in a sense, Abed um, it was like called it a bottle episode. so it's like uh-huh. you know, everyone's in the same like in this one spot and that's where the whole episode takes place. And this one, um, the character Annie was like, so where's my pen? And, and everyone's like oh i don't know i don't have it and she was like okay so i always let you guys borrow my pens and i never get them back and i know you guys are keeping that like who's got my pen what happened to it and so they all start fighting and it's like uh-huh. what like who's got the, like they they end up like stripping and they're like I, yeah, i'm not hiding it i'm doing it they're dumping out their bags they're like you know, now they're going through each other's stuff. So they're having to like confront some really embarrassing things. And it's like, you know, this was all, you know, it seems small, but like the principle of the thing, it's, it's all like, who, who did it? Why? I just want to know like the, and all this it just comes to, you know what? Why don't we just say that a ghost d- took it? Yeah. Cause it's easier to believe that a ghost took this pen Than it is to believe that one of us lied to another one or that one of us um, hurt someone Mm -hmm. here. In the episode of Community, it turns out that um, a loose monkey had come (gasps) in and stolen the pen and and took it into the (laughs) air duct and they didn't know. Um, But, um, you know, again, they just it's like, let's just blame it on something. The loose monkey. Well, no, they blamed it on a ghost
0: because they didn't know that the actual cause was a loose monkey. (laughs) Right. But from now on, we can just blame it on the loose monkey.
1: Yeah, we can. Yeah. (laughs) So gremlins, loose monkeys, ghosts, all of that, we can blame it. um, And we don't have to fight with each other. And and people want answers. And we don't have to strip. Yes. You don't have to, everybody. Let's not forget. (laughs) (laughs) Only if you want to.
0: Yeah, you can if you want to.
1: And only if you're getting good money. I'm just kidding.
0: Yeah. Or having fun.
1: Yeah. I was going to say, just kidding, because you can also just do it for fun.
0: (laughs) As long as the people you're stripping front of consent. I was just
1: about to say that. I was like, (laughs) wait a minute. Everyone has to be having fun. Good time, damn it. Okay. (laughs) People want answers for tragedy, and it's harder to believe that a freak accident can have no concrete explanations than it is for some grand conspiracy to have taken place theorizing in this case isn't meant to be disrespectful. it's more of a way to cope with the unfortunate reality of the situation. So with that in mind let's look at some of the possible gremlins of Malaysian Malaysia Airlines flight 370 okay so this episode has been crazy long already and we haven't even gotten to the conspiracies <laughs> <laughs> um, So a quick note here I've said this a million times. Actual people are grieving the loss of their loved ones. They're forced to listen to people sensationalize the tragedy and trauma they've experienced. However, they are still looking for answers. These answers may actually involve some form of conspiracy. Not in the aliens or black hole kind of conspiracy, but in more real world terms. Keep in mind that no official cause has been announced and the ocean is huge and perpetually changing it took 73 years to find the wreckage of the titanic and they knew where to look from
0: mm-hmm. the beginning
1: good point yeah and this that was a point that was brought up in one of the podcasts i'd listened to so it's like and they still haven't found the heart of the ocean it's there somewhere yeah <laughs> <laughs> Out of respect for those affected, I'm going to briefly go over possible explanations for what could have happened to MH370, keeping them brief um, because I don't want to go into too much detail um, about some of these m- more um, harmful theories, harmful to mm-hmm. um, people involved and to the memory of those that have lost their lives. Um, but we got to start somewhere. How did this happen? What happened? First, there's the possibility of MH370 crashing with intention, meaning a hijacking, terrorists, air traffic control interference, or the crew causing its demise. With all forms of communication failing around the same time, it's reasonable to explore this as a possibility. However, there are many explanations for how this could have happened. For example, it's suggested that there could have been a fire in the cockpit, landing gear, cargo compartment, or just anywhere on the plane in general. You know, this can happen just from wires malfunctioning, and it, it's not like it's never happened before. Um, and truthfully, it probably does happen a lot more than we realize, and it's taken care of. We don't need to think about that. <laughs> but we don't, yeah, we don't have to think about that. Yeah. Um, so, that along with the bad timing of the handoff could have forced the crew to make a decision that could have led to more confusion, like with AF 447. They might have accidentally gone to a higher altitude. Now they've got hypoxia. Now they're making a weird decision to just randomly make a hard left, um, mm-hmm. or to turn off the transponder. I mean, or again, the transponder transponder turned off because of a fire. So all that, all that stuff not out of the realm of possibility. Some have pointed out that there were two passengers on board who had fake passports. So Some I kind of pointed that out. Yes. Yeah, so I did kind of. Th- throw that in um, towards the beginning of the explanation. As suspicious as that is, it was most likely because those passengers were seeking asylum while fleeing another country. So then they kind of put it together. um, And again, I'm not going into too much detail about it, but Mm -hmm. from their actual nationalities and um, what they kind of... they pieced it together based on what they had found from the passports that were used and what was going on. Um, and they were like, obviously, you know, it's 2014. There's security yeah. cameras and stuff in the airport. So they were able to see exactly who was using those passports and stuff. And based on that, they're not terrorists. They're just trying to discreetly leave a horrible situation and ended up in another horrible situation. Yeah. So um, also the pilot and co-pilot's personal lives were examined with such scrutiny uh, during all of this, but there was nothing obviously pointing to sabotage. I mean, we've all got skeletons in our closet. We all do weird things Mm -hmm. sometimes. We do. Yeah. We all, you know, we are, we are all going through something, but that doesn't mean that we're just going to like, you know, the pilot who has had years and years of flight experience to just randomly take the lives of so many people. And I don't know if I really went into detail on this, but the Boeing triple seven is a huge aircraft. I mean, it Mm. fits a lot of people. This one, this model in particular, you know, was meant for uh, international travel and everything. So why would he decide to just kill so many people? Cause he had a bad day of, of, you know, or, uh, you know, bad couple of months or something like, why is it, you know, that time that Mm -hmm. he decided it's pretty much, you know, all but ruled out that those possibilities of somebody on board intentionally, you know, just killing all those people. Um, specifically, I mean like the, the two people that they're looking at the, you know, so closely would, you know, the pilots, co-pilots, and then, um, their pilot and co-pilot. And then, um, those those two passengers. I mean, you're sitting here thinking like, okay, so these are the four most likely culprits. Like, maybe there was a, a fire intentionally set and that was because of these terrorists on there. But like, when you start looking, at, like, there's human beings involved. And when you start looking into that and you're like, well, this is probably what was actually happening. Because again, there's no proof either way. Yeah. But, you know, it's even more unlikely that these people would just do this. So, kind of building off of that, this next point may seem sensational. It's not necessarily out of the realm of possibility. So, again, I'm I'm saying this one with respect and not as like a conspiracy, you know, mumbo jumbo thing. But... Though unlikely, some have speculated on whether or not there could have been a cyber hijacking. Oh, okay. In the U.S., the hijacking of um, the planes on September eleventh two 2001 led to absolute panic and a complete overhaul in aviation security. There had been talks about finding a way to remotely override those piloting the aircraft with the intentions of crashing it somewhere to minimize damage so mm-hmm. if they can't save everybody on board and safely land the aircraft they can at least divert it they yeah i mean because the passengers on one of the flights um that went down on september 11th they were like you know what we're all gonna die anyway but we're not letting we're not this happen let you yeah yeah we're not letting you do this so they intentionally crashed into a field and it minimized damages i mean it's it's terrible what happened there because of all the lives that were lost, but so many more lives could have been lost. Had they not made that sacrifice. And mm-hmm. so people were like, well, if only we had people on board that were able uh, on board, the, the one that hit the two planes that hit the twin towers, if only we had people on board that could have, um, you know, crashed it and minimized those damages or something. So, you know, people were just speculating, like, how how can we prevent this from happening again? I mean, this was just a huge turning point in history. Mm-hmm. And I know that it's, you know, um, very much ingrained in U.S. culture and, um, you know, growing up at that time. Um, also, like, it's such a it's such a big thing that even like generations are defined by it. So, like, mm-hmm. that's why I'm at the very end of millennials because I do remember 9 um, 11, not as much as um, those that are a little older than me do, but the geriatric millennials. Yes, the elder millennials, <laughs> as Eliza Schlesinger says. So, I don't know, you're like, I don't remember as much. And also, I had a different perspective of being in kindergarten and, you know, not totally knowing why or what was going on, but to be fair, neither did anyone else. But then Gen Z is supposed to be the first generation that doesn't remember it. Either they mm-hmm. weren't born or they don't remember because they were like infants. Babies. Mm-hmm. So it, even though it was just a US... Like, I don't want to say it was just a US tragedy because obviously, you know... It ha- impacted the world. It impacted, but- Yeah, it impacted the world. But um, there's a lot of terrible tragedies. But this one in particular, because... It exposed so many gaps in security and safety Mm -hmm. that it really got everybody to think, oh, shit, what if this happens to us? We got to find, you know, something. Ways around it. Yeah. And
0: so then one of those ways around it was perhaps making it available for cyber people to control it. And so maybe that was done for dastardly deeds
1: here. So this technology has not been officially announced as ever right. coming to light or uh-huh. even being tested or used at all. Mm-hmm. But sure. there is a good reason to not make that information public yes. as people may try <laughs> to figure out how to hack it. Right. So just because it's it's not commonly known cuz even I'll just bleep this whole section out. <laughs> No, 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 just say okay. one long beep. It's okay. It's okay. I think we're good <laughs> because I'll tell you why. But okay. um, like even – so I was trying to look into like – like before I found like the accident report that was very mm-hmm. like detailed and had all this information I was looking for, I was trying to look at like FAA regulations and stuff like that um, and like air traffic control pro- protocols like, you know, what were they supposed to do in this situation, all that. And it was, there were sections of that, even though it was publicly available online, sections of it were completely redacted. Uh huh. Link doesn't go anywhere. And I was like, oh, okay. So it's not crazy to think that they wouldn't tell us that this technology is out there. Right. And you can see why. I mean, the same exact thing happened. In terms of, like of this uh, um, tragedy, where an entity was like, we have information and we don't know if we should say it yet. Like mm-hmm. we don't know if we should disclose it. So right, with the military, with the military, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, ugh, so hmm, it's just like there. Of, of course, it's like officially ruled out, mm-hmm. but. It can still kind of be one of those unofficial, oh shit, that is that what, cause again, they don't have the evidence or the wreckage to confirm that anything right. happened. So it's like, there might be some people like pulling at their collars, like, you know, wiping sweat off their foreheads, like shit, shit, shit. D- does somebody know? So that being said, this doesn't really offer a satisfying conclusion either.
0: Because no.
1: why MH370? I mean, there right. weren't any passengers. And,
0: and by whom?
1: Yeah, like, was yeah. it Singapore
0: yeah. or was it?
1: So, so there weren't any passengers or cargo on board that might call for this kind of attack like it's not like there were any high profile um, passengers or there was something that was like so valuable like it's a heist kind of thing yeah so there was really no reason to attack this this aircraft but I guess you could argue that, that would be the perfect aircraft to practice since they wouldn't I be guess. particularly focused on that flight and that security but why show your card so soon why would you say or, or like why would you show people and like entities is, is possible. i know how to do this mm-hmm. so now make it harder for me to do it. like why no that's not yeah a- and then again who would be responsible because terrorists usually want to take credit so they can prove their point so going back to the people with the passports yeah. nobody took credit for this
0: Right. And also, I think that also kind of applies to the idea that like, oh, a pilot was having a bad day. So he crashed the plane or whatever, because usually people who do mass killings, they want the notoriety Mm -hmm. like they wouldn't know that their name is going to be living on forever.
1: So and also, I mean, with the pilot doing that. Based on the flight data, why didn't anybody stop him? He uh, there was so much time to stop him yeah. based on like, if if we are to believe that it was flying the entire time that it was making these, you know, little handshakes and stuff, uh-huh. if we're to believe that that's what was happening, why didn't anybody stop him? Why, d- and, and why would he just fly until the plane ran out of fuel? Like, why is that the way that you decide? Like, why not just like, uh, cause like, again, there's like, there's plenty of time to change your mind. Right. And like your self-preservation instincts. You can't ignore them for an eight hour span. Right. And especially with people probably like banging on the cockpit door, pleading for their lives. Or if your co-pilot's still alive, why the fuck isn't he saying anything? Like what is going on with that? None of, so none of these make enough sense to be likely, but none of them Mm. are impossible. Right. At this point. So it really doesn't seem like any of this is happening, but <sighs> could be. Next, we have to assume that the loss of communication and, and incompletion of emergency protocols led to a series of catastrophes that ultimately, you know, caused this tragedy. That's what I'm thinking so far. <laughs> I mean, spoiler alert. Either way, yes, this is. This is what happened. I mean, this is the only thing that we can say officially is that the worst things went down and now this, this plane is gone Mm -hmm. and it's, it's terrible and it's not satisfying, but you can, like, you can do the whole string board theory, like, you can put in all of these combinations and all of them would unlock this mystery. Right. So you can't necessarily credit or discredit any of them. But again, there's still the possibility of the fire, intentional or otherwise. Somebody could have intentionally set the fire which caused this, you know, a lot of this stuff to happen. And then they were just so lucky that air traffic control was not on it that day for that flight. And they were Uh able to just fly the plane somewhere else i mean i guess you can say like maybe everybody died and then it was on autopilot and just kept going for seven hours which i don't know enough about this to say whether or not that makes sense or if like they didn't know that they had
0: turned around like if the things went out and maybe like They just and they thought they they were still heading one direction and they weren't.
1: But how did all of that go out? How did all? I don't know because it shouldn't have gone out, and they definitely should not have turned it off. I mean, technically they have the capabilities to, but that's it's not something you could do by accident. No, it's, I don't know. It's, they should have been able to make some kind of communication. So some of these, these communication systems even go back to the manufacturer. So the Boeing company Mm -hmm. has, would, should be still getting some of this data and information. Obviously, they're not like monitoring that because that's what air traffic control is for. But in the event something's going wrong, they could be like, all right, here we've got this, 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 and this. It's not as great as like the black box you know everything but the transponder wasn't even on a cars yeah. was not working none of this stuff was was working at the time and they didn't try to do any of this and also one more against this speculation on my part they didn't know that they're flying in the wrong direction but they do know they should have been somewhere by now but they are in this straight path right now They made a turn for no reason. Like the minute that all of this stuff started turning off, which is not what you should be doing. You should, you know, try and stay your course at least. Even if, you know, because it could happen that without the communications, they get a little bit off course. But they for some reason completely turn around Mm -hmm. and then they don't do an emergency water landing. They don't try that. Right. Yeah,
0: at any point. Yeah, and it's not like those are
1: safe. But they're safer than crashing into the water (laughs) with no fuel and nothing else. Like, you know, and again, I mean, maybe that's not even that kind of protocol either. Maybe it's like, obviously Stacy, they're not going to just force themselves to crash in the middle of the ocean in the middle of the night. And you know, all this happens, but I'm also just kind of like, well, maybe with daylight, they could, they're still above water. They still have control over some of this. And Maybe more people like would have actually survived, you know, the water landing. And even though it's scary to be in the water and all that stuff, m- maybe the emergency flotation devices and all that stuff could have kept them afloat, and they would have been able to signal to somebody and all be saved. Mm-hmm. It's hard to tell. And honestly, there might not even be an actual protocol for this, because this should not Shouldn't have happen. happened. <laughs> this should not be a thing. Uh, like like you were saying, maybe not only did their communication system fail, but their navigation instruments failed because that's another point. Just because their communication is out doesn't mean that all the other instruments are out. All the other readers are out. This should be like well, we're going north when we were going south or whatever, you know, the the case was. <sighs> Is there anything that
0: could make all electric or electronic things stop working? Uh,
1: sabotage, really, yeah, at that point, yeah, um, or a very, very unfortunate disaster of things just randomly going wrong so an another thing to kind of explain why it's so fucking weird. That black box that I mentioned earlier, I, I don't really know like a concise way to explain it other than like something happens when it goes underwater and it sends out mm-hmm. signals for it was 30 and then after AF 447, 90 days for people to be able to locate it. So if it was mm-hmm. in the water, what happened to the signals? And cause they're supposed to be able to withstand. A lot. All that shit, because that's their whole purpose. Yes, because that's, that's not necessarily like a safety measure. That's a find the wreckage. The fact-finding yes. mission. It's mm-hmm. Yeah, it's also like, it, unfortunately, like legal stuff has to come into play with that. So it's like, now we know who to put the blame on so that whenever they get sued, who are we mm-hmm. suing and for what kind of damages and da-da-da. But also so that we can learn from the mistakes and so that we can figure all this stuff out. But yeah. We can't, because we don't know where it is. Now, there's another somewhat out there theory that was unfortunately brought to the public by Rush Limbaugh. Uh, and I'm sorry, but I, I, let's, just, let's just kind of talk about it. Mm-hmm. So, as unlikely as it is, the theory of MH370 being shot down closes some gaps. That was Russian Limbaugh's mm-hmm. theory, that it was shot down. Okay. You know, perhaps MH370, after flying off course without communications, passed over a restricted airspace, and mm-hmm. a military entity could have attempted to make contact with the aircraft, and upon failure to do so, shot down the unidentified object, because that happens, Mm -hmm. I mean, just four months after MH370 disappeared, another Malaysia Airlines plane, MH17, was shot down over Ukraine. Mm -hmm. So, like, four months after this, this actually happened, and we know that it happened. And, I mean, this is not to say that they're connected. Like, it's a coincidence that it's a Malaysia Airlines flight. Like, I'm not saying it's connected. I'm saying it is a coincidence. Mm-hmm. But I'm also saying it can happen. Right. These are different circumstances as there was an active war in the area with MH17. We know it happened and they crashed on land. It's kind of easy to see that. So another reason why it's so difficult to find um, MH370 as opposed to something like MH17. I mean, satellites are taking images constantly, mm-hmm. but whenever you're looking for an aircraft in the water, it's hard to tell. There was somebody that literally sat down and used Google images and went through ev- like pixel by pixel almost of um, the the possible crash zones, he did report that it was possible that he had found some debris, Mm -hmm. maybe even like a mostly intact version of the airplane. And people looked at it and it was just another, I don't know. I mean, it looked like it could be a plane, but it also looked like it could be a wave. Yeah. Which sucks. So Mark Dugan, the former... Proteus Airlines head Mm -hmm. uh, is how he was described, Um, which I've never heard of Proteus Airlines, but oh well, me neither. (laughs) Um, But he suggested the U.S. shot down MH370 from its naval base in Diego Garcia, which is on the Indian Ocean, Mm -hmm. which is where the satellites had picked up on it. Now, this, this theory was immediately dismissed, but... I just want to point out something strange. Okay. And I'm not the first person to point this out and that's not an excuse for perpetuating these things. But I am trying to provide another perspective Mm -hmm. and a little bit of clarity as to why this one maybe doesn't need to be dismissed. So back in 2012, the aircraft that was eventually MH370, Mm -hmm. was involved in a minor incident while on the ground. Okay. No one was injured, but there was some damage to its wingtip. The part was replaced and the plane was repaired. It was officially brought back into use in February of 2014, a few weeks before MH370 took off the final time. (sighs) Let's say that the U.S. military did accidentally shoot down the commercial aircraft by following their own procedures. you know It's an unidentified aircraft, restricted airspace, mm-hmm. cannot make communications with it, assume it's hostile, shoot it down. Mm-hmm. This could make the U.S. look hostile, resulting in retaliation. Mm-hmm. And as I mentioned with 9-11, U.S. is very, very cautious when it comes to airline security. And so this could be seen as a complete disaster Mm -hmm. for the u.s you guys know what i'm saying (laughs) yeah so um in the interest of national security maybe the u.s kept quiet about the incident i mean maybe they even discovered it and like instead of like putting two and two together later maybe they did like Mm -hmm. approach the the wreckage and cover it up what they had done and covered it up or something and Now enter the Boeing company, which is based in the U.S. and has contracts with the U.S. military. Mm -hmm. Maybe that debris from the wing was intentionally planted. After all, they were the ones who initially fixed that piece of the wing. So they could have had it. Stored just
0: stowed away and just dropped it there.
1: From what I'd learned from just kind of, you know, in podcasts and things like that was I mean it's not like whenever something is repaired it immediately gets smelted down and you know mm-hmm. turned into something else I mean it it's plausible you know there's and I mean with this one again it's it's definitely one of those like juicy kind of conspiracy things and which is I'm sure why it was immediately shot down because it's like no that's that's like too juicy of a story almost to for us right. to focus our time and energy on that when more likely, you know, some of this other stuff happened. Mm-hmm. Which again, the stuff that happened, we still don't know why all of this, like, was a perfect storm. Which, speaking of storms, it was a clear night. Like, there, nothing was in their way Yeah, that would have caused them to divert like they did. Nothing was there to cause this so even if you know we we entertain the thought about like the us military shooting it down and covering it up and planting this this part of the wing so that nobody knows and they just assume it was some. why did they turn around why nothing why is the transponder not working why were they you know over here why didn't air traffic control do their fucking jobs like and in contact people. Why didn't people think it was an emergency the second that they realized they'd gone 17 minutes without talking to... Did they ever explain
0: it, the air traffic control people? Did they ever say why they didn't respond in 17 minutes? Not really. Were they playing
1: Mario Kart? From what I can tell, there was no official reports of Mario Kart um, mm. available. There were no N64s um, in office, but... There are other ways. <laughs> <to> play <laughs> Mario Kart, I'm sure, right? so. Um, but yeah, I mean they just they all just failed to do this. And I mean, mistakes happen and that's understandable. But why the fuck did this mistake happen? Why and did so many two- people make yes, that mistake? So many entities failed these people. Mhm. So you can, you can blame whoever you want, but so many things lined up for, for this to go wrong. I mean, you could blame the pilot for turning around, but also we don't know what happened there, but also they should have had communication with the air traffic control, but also the Malaysian military should have told everyone that they were going off course already and stop searching here, but also like so many other things. And, Mm -hmm. like, I'm not saying the, you know, conspiracy stuff because it's juicy and, you know, we like doing that on this show. But it is possible an actual conspiracy happened. And by that, I mean tragic accidents and acts of incompetence occurred and people covered it up. And we're left not knowing. I mean, that's a conspiracy. And I mean... It's insane that this was in 2014. And I know it's been almost 10 years at this point, which is also crazy to think about. But it's not so far back in in history that we're like, how could this have happened? Because, like in 2009, just five years before this, we were saying, oh, this is so sad with AF 447. But we know what happened and we know at least to approach it. Like we at least know mm-hmm. that this was error. Remember, all of these theories are speculation. That's all we have is speculation. Also, a combination of these theories could be the actual answer. What's important is that we are finding ways to further improve air travel. Also, we can see that real people are affected by these disasters. They're not to be sensationalized, but people want answers. It's difficult to find that middle ground because you have to start with theories and speculation to eventually rule them out and find what's left, which is the truth. And We wish that we could find answers to provide closure for the Victims' loved ones, but for now, we only have the gremlins to blame.
0: Wow, that's a lot, Stacy. Good job. Oh <laughs> my <you> gosh,
1: <laughs> <laughs> I just, I'm serious. I read through the report, uh, like not in detail, and I didn't understand all of it because yeah. I'm not meant to. I read so many terms. I thought back to conversations <laughs> I'd had with my dad. I yeah. I just looked through what was being presented and I just I felt terrible for the victims' families. I mean, yeah. What the the main theme here is like why don't we know? I mean like, you know, again, my you know, issue with um being part of history in a negative way, I have answers. I know exactly what happened and why. I don't like them, but I accept mm-hmm. them because it's reality. It's the truth. It's what happened. It's official. We can all agree on that. But again, we can all, maybe some people get there in a different <laughs> way, but it's still like, because I, I, I could, I can. Sane
0: people can all agree on that. Yes, I'm just saying yes. there are some people who are yes. as
1: you know. Yes, <laughs> I do know very well the 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 not awesome conspiracy theorists. Yes, yeah. <laughs> that but- um that have their ideas and their theories and all that, but like I mean, like we can like I I can look at my dad's death certificate and and see you know the all the causes mm-hmm. and. These victims' loved ones can look at their loved ones' death certificates, which I'm sure they have to accept at this point. Um, Yeah. And they just know aviation accident. Mm -hmm. But they don't know why. It's terrible. (laughs) And again, it blows my mind that we fucking lost an airplane. I know. It almost makes me ma- like mad like right now like wanting to scream. And like this happened yeah. long enough ago that uh, again we can we can kind of draw some conclusions, but it's not enough and I was not even involved. I mean, people you can get pissed off about this. Like it's it should not have happened. And the way everything was handled from you know, the the relay of information oh my god (laughs) it's just disaster after catastrophic disaster and real lives paid the price so yeah i have said this so many times and i'm gonna i'm gonna cool cool back from that you know i'm gonna cool off a little bit and okay not you know go into that too much but there's there's also been theories that like the plane was hijacked and then they flew to remote islands. And now the passengers are still alive, but they're like, you know, enslaved on this hostages, you know, or, hostages mm-hmm. or yeah. Something like they're stuck on this island and you know, that's not more comforting. No. <laughs> <sighs> There's just no way to, to spin this one No, in, in, in a, like positive light, but no. So, um, originally, uh, this episode was supposed to be, you know, my little section on mysterious airline disappearances and Rachel's, uh, section on ghost ships. <laughs> I think you guys have had enough. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we certainly have, and uh, I mean, short of me going back to the invention of the fucking airplane, I think I think I've covered a lot of ground enough for like you know one episode maybe. So yeah, I think there's enough for them to to chew on here. Yeah, to mull over a bit. So what do you say that we uh, that we call this one right? Let's do it. Let's All do right. it. I mean, I hope you guys had fun learning about gremlins at least and I hope that you guys have um, more of an appreciation for air travel and for families of victims of tragic disasters so um,
0: our tagline feels kind of weird now huh
1: yep Um, (laughs) so whenever it comes to gremlins (laughs) being the cause of you know mischief At least then we can say that this is all 100% real.
0: Yes, and 100% fake fake believe. believe. This episode was brought to you by Stacy, Rachel, and so much dangerous sauce you don't even know. We're swimming in it. Which is why even though we talked about an episode on Ghost Ships next, that might have to wait. After all, Halloween is just around the corner.